Our next reading of Scripture is going to come from the book of Psalms, from Psalm number 1. We'll read Psalm 1 together. You can find that psalm in your Bible or in your pew Bible in front of you or find it in your, uh, in your order of worship. We'll be reading this morning from Psalm number 1. <clears throat> Happy are those who, who do not follow the advice of the wicked, nor pick, take the path that sinners tread, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season. And their leaves do not wither, and all they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the perish, the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you um, subscribe to our daily Rooted in Christ uh, text message, if not, you can, uh, I'd love to talk with you about how you can get that uh, text to you. Every morning we, um, we send out a daily scripture reading uh, with a reading guide attached to it. Uh, we started this about three years ago. Uh, I was sitting, I just felt this compulsion that our church needed to better study the Bible and read the Bible together and walk through scripture together. I've been doing a daily devotional email for years. And I, but I felt like we need to do this more on a church level. And so I was sitting with um, some of our ministry staff one day and I said, hey, next year we're going to do this. And they all said, okay, cool. I said, no, 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 we're going to do this. So we started that year, uh, I guess this was 2017 or so, sending out a daily text message uh, with a scripture reading and then a reading guide. And we've done, it, we've done the entire Bible. Last year, we walked slowly through parts of the Bible. And this year, we're looking at a specific passage each day. We're not doing multiple, multiple passages each day. We're doing a single passage each day that we're looking at deeper and deeper and deeper, trying to get deeper into God's word together. So particularly during the next few weeks, during as we're in the teeth of our Rooted in Christ uh, capital campaign and building campaign, we're going to be sending out a passage each day that we're going to read upon. And then that Sunday, we'll be, we'll be preaching on that passage. So you're going to be hearing the same passage over and over and over and over again the next few weeks. So we want to go deeper in the Word together. We want to really go deeper, really understand what God's saying, and really try to make sense of what God's Word is for us in this season. So this week, we look daily at uh, this Psalm number 1. And we're going to, we're going to preach about it today as well because we're talking about being rooted in vision. We're being ta- talking about being rooted in who it is we are and who God has called us to be. Now... Rooted uh, plants. Uh, there probably is no one in human history who's been made to spend more time in a stupid garden than I have who hates that stupid garden more than creation. Because, like, I look, I look back now, I am thankful. I am thankful now as a 43-year-old man that every summer I had to, had to go into my granny's house and shell purple hull peas with her while watching her stories. I'm thankful for that time that I had with my granny now. But as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy, I hated that with a passion of a thousand white sons. It was awful. My family, we, 
we, we grew up out in the country and we basically all of the uncles and aunts lived together on kind of the same family plot. So we lived here, my granny lived here, my uncle Merlin lived down the road, and we all planted row crops together for the family. We didn't make any money off of it. We weren't selling anything. We just were raising, we were raising butter beans because we didn't want to go to Walmart and buy them. So we raised butter beans and purple hole peas and black eyed peas and corn and all that mess, watermelons, potatoes. I mean, I'm seriously, I didn't know you bought vegetables from the store till I went to college. I mean, that's just what we did. We farmed. We, we, we weren't particularly good at it. We didn't make any money off of it. It's just what you do out in the country. So I spent far too much time of my childhood being grabbed by the ear and being told to go shuck some corn or, or, or shell some beans or whatever. My mama, she loved, 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 loved. You know those dumb hanging plants you see outside of people's house? Loved them. Oh my gosh, loved them. So every first freeze, guess what me and daddy got to go do? Bring every one of them blasted plants inside where they wouldn't die cause of frost. We, we had just enough grass that we had to cut our grass constantly while at the same time having just enough trees that we had to rake our yard constantly. So when we were was in the summer, I had to go out there and cut the grass and, and do all that. And then during the fall, the leaves would fall and me and dad would get a big tarp out. We'd rake all the leaves, we'd hum off the woods and we'd set them on fire because my dad likes to burn things. So that's what we did. That's, I spent so, so I like, you see, some of you share these pictures on Facebook. Oh, look at this mountain cabin. Wouldn't it be great to live there? No, I want to live in a big city with no grass and no trees. That's what I want. I don't want none of that grass business I got to cut or those trees. I want to live in New Orleans with asphalt and sidewalk. That would be awesome. That way I don't have to do any of that mess. Never have, li- never have liked any of it. Some of you do. God bless you. I love you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. But I got tired of cutting grass and raking leaves when I was a kid, and I have not yet. Some of you like to, some of you like, oh, I love to unwind by cutting grass. I'm praying for you because there's something wrong with you. I'm praying for you. Something. Mm-mm. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get bit by that bug. So. so I'm not one for roots and growing and dirt and all that. That's just not me. But it's hard to argue that that might not be one of those biblical concepts and all of scripture. Because when you read the Bible from beginning to end, you see stories of rootedness and farming and gardens. Think about where all the scripture starts in Genesis one, a garden. Hit fast forward, go to revelation. Where does all of scripture end in a garden? We see we see that the Holy Land is often called the land of milk and honey, which is not really, if you go there, you see that's kind of a, you know, a selling, uh, maybe an overestimation. You see all across Scripture, you see especially in Jesus' ministry. You see Jesus teach and preach about growing things. The parable of the sower we've heard so much about that we've used so many times here. You know, the parable of the sower. The sower takes the seed out and flings the seed and some falls on rocky ground and a path, and others falls on good ground. Well, to the people of Jesus' day, when he talks about a sower flinging seed, and see that half of his seeds die and not produce fruit, the people of Jesus' day understood that. 
Because outside of some land in Galilee, there wasn't much land in the Holy Land that was fitting to farm. So most people that farmed just barely eked by a living. It was not real conducive farmland. So they would have resonated when Jesus talked about a, a sower who a lot of his seed didn't take root and grow. Jesus talked about the vine and the branches. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And you can do nothing except through me. I don't know about you, but I've found that resonate in my life so many times. That I'm at most at peace. And I'm most alive. And I'm healthiest. And I'm at my best when I am deeply rooted into the life-giving grace of Jesus Christ. That's where life comes from. But when I try to do it on my own, when I, when I cut myself off from the branch, when I think I'm good enough or strong enough or smart enough to do it myself, then I'm going to come like those branches that wither up and die because I've cut myself off from life. Yeah, these are very biblical, biblical concepts. But today's passage is one of my absolute favorites. Like a tree planted by streams of water, taking deep root. I always, when I read this passage, I always think of those cypress trees out in Louisiana. That's what I always think about. You know, you're driving down to New Orleans off the interstate. You look off in the swamp there, other, other as you're getting past Manshack and all that. You see those big trees, look at those big roots that have survived Katrina, that have survived so many hurricanes. That knocked over a lot of other trees. But not those trees with deep root. They survived. They made it through it. And the psalmist today says here, those who meditate upon God's word, those like that are rooted. They, they have deep roots. And they survive. And they make it. There's something powerful, something very powerful about being deeply rooted. Deeply rooted. And right now, that's what we're talking about as a church, is how are we taking root? We're talking a lot about building stuff and capital campaign stuff and stuff like that. But I want to be very honest with you, y'all. Uh, I'm looking for John Moore and Frank Smith. They're our capital campaign co-chairs. Just put, John, just put your hands over your ears right now. I ain't worried about a building. I ain't worried about money. You know, uh, the great theologian Darth Vader once said <laughs> that the ability to take a life is, a, is insignificant when compared to the power of the force. Buildings are, are insignificant when compared to God's vision and God's plan. Because um, what matters is not facilities or things like that. What matters is being deeply rooted in who God called you to be. What matters is being deeply rooted in a vision that God has given you and that God says truly matters. Because I'll be very honest with you. Uh, my, my first, uh, uh, so, some of you that have gone to information meetings, you've heard this story, so laugh along with it. And those of you who haven't heard it or might hear it today, if you come to the meeting today, so laugh along with it then. My first real annual conference, Mississippi annual conference uh, leadership position was whenever I was, but was about 12, 13 years ago, when uh, Ember Jackson, Ember Jackson is now the lead pastor at Tupelo First Methodist Church. Ember used to be Bishop Ward's assistant. 
Ember asked me to chair a committee in the life of our church called the Church Revitalization Committee. And this is how Ember sold it on me. Ember said, Andy, you're going to chair this committee. You're going to get a lot of grants that come across your desk. You're going to say no to every one of them, and everyone's going to hate you. I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. Please tell me more. You're a great salesman. So I, I did this committee because it was, it, was, it was a committee that was formed years ago. I don't, I don't think it even exists anymore. Basically because what was happening in life of our, our state church, our annual conference, was that we had a lot of churches out in the, out in the country and out in the county and out in the city, out in, even in the city, that were beginning to lose their youth to the Baptist because the Baptist had a gym. So we're going to build us a gym. We're going to build us a gym. We're going to keep our youth. So this committee that I, I chaired began to give a lot of loans to build gyms for churches. And guess what happened? They still lost their youth. You know why? Because they had a building, but not a vision. What matters is a vision. What matters is being who it is that God has called you to be. And all I want for our church and all I want for our life is that we are deeply rooted in the vision that God has called us to be. What is that vision? What are we deeply rooted into? I know it's an elemental church answer, but I believe that it's true. And that's in Jesus for Jesus Christ is the, is, is the very power and the very life of God. And if our life, if our life, if our life as individuals and our life as the church is not deeply rooted in Christ, then nothing else is going to make sense. If Jesus Christ is not your primary relationship, if Jesus Christ is not your primary identity, if Jesus Christ is not the primary source of your being, then you will be like those branches that wither and die because life will not make sense. Life will not work. Life will not find its ebb and flow. Our identity above all else in our life has to be deeply rooted in Jesus Christ above all else. He is the vine and we are the branches. He is our life. He is our source. He is our strength. He is our all in all. Not anything else but Jesus. It is always only Jesus. He is our life, nothing else. And if we're big and powerful and successful and rich and wealthy and our life is not rooted in Jesus, then it does not matter and it will fade. If Jesus Christ is not your primary relationship, then your life is disordered and nothing will make sense. We must, above all else, be rooted in Jesus. If he is not our life, then close up shop and go home because nothing else matters. It starts with Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Always Jesus. So then, what does that rooted in Jesus' life look like? What does that mean for us? Well, this guy comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, well, you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. On this hinges the law and the prophets. The greatest commandment, the life that Jesus Christ gives us to lead, 
being fully rooted in him is a life that is solely dedicated to loving God with every fiber of our being and loving our neighbor as ourselves. It is through relationships that we are saved. Of of all the way, of all the ways that the sovereign God of heaven, of all the ways that the God of the angel armies, of all the way that this God that created everything, both seen and unseen, of all the ways that this God chose to save lives, save individuals, and redeem his world, he chose to do it through relationships. First, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God. That is the primary, only relationship that defines everything. Is my walk with him and his walk with me. That is the relationship that defines me. If that relationship doesn't define me, then I'm not doing it right. It's got to start there. We start with Jesus, not with the crowd, not with the culture, not with the pressure, not with the religious. We don't start any of these places. We start with Jesus. But then that walk with Christ How then do we go about impacting his world? By loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's how God redeems the world. That's how God chooses to save the world. That's how God chooses to impact lives. It's by us living out the gospel daily with our life, with our words, with our character, with all that we are. Folks should look at us and say, what's wrong with them? There's something wrong with them. Why do they live like that? Why do they love like that? Why do they serve like that? Why do they give like that? Why do they forgive like that? What's wrong with them? You tell folks, if you tell folks that you're a Christian, they go, really? It's not a good sign. There should be something different about us. Friends, Luther said, here I stand, I can do no other. All is your pastor I can offer you is the path of relationships. The path of Jesus, the path of Christ, born to a virgin, suffering under Pontius Pilate, crucifying, died, and buried, rising, being raised, and returning. His body, the church. And this church that was put here to be his hands and his feet in a world in desperate need of Jesus. Here I stand. I can do no other. That's my vision. And that's what I want to root my life in. Is Christ crucified. And his love lived out for all the world to know. And that's what I pray our vision is as a church and who we're called to be. And that's all I have. That's all I'm worried about. So every Sunday the next few weeks, we're going to do something that Tim's really going to like. We're going to end the sermon a little early. Because I want to have time at the end to invite you to come pray at the altar at the conclusion of each service. Because that's all I want us to do.
is pray. One of my favorite quotes I've been sharing a lot recently is about Lincoln. Lincoln has two quotes that I love. One was this, if I was two-faced, you think this is the face that I'd wear? Love that quote. Secondly, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I always kind of get it a little wrong. I do not pray so much to have God upon my side as I pray to make sure that I am on God's side. And that's all that matters is that we as a church prayerfully consider what it looks like to be upon God's side and take obedient steps each day. So during, after the service is over, the sermon's over, we're going to pray. I'll close us in prayer, and then we'll have our last song. During the song, the altar's open. I invite you to come pray with me. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have that relationship with Christ primarily in your life, then something needs to change. I'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to learn more about joining our church, I'd love to talk to you about how you can become a member. If you'd like to just come pray, I'd, I'd love you to pray. But during this final song, and for the next few weeks, I'm going to invite you during the altar call to come to pray with me. Let's pray now, and then we'll open the altar. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for Jesus. God, help us live out his, to live out his love each day of our life. We love you so much. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing and invitational hymn this morning will be hymn number 451, Be Thou My Vision. During the song, however you wish to respond, the altar is open. Won't you come?